All right, let's dive into habits. This is this is what I'm. This is what I uh, sense and and feel, and why I wanted to uh, touch base on this. What I sense and feel for when it comes to to habits and and all of this and this thinking is that uh, we have just come through um, a couple years of ups and downs and lots of disruption. And if you're like me, and I think it, I think all of us are in the same type of boat is that you had systems, habits, disciplines in place um, and, and that were regular and probably good habits that, that were work. And because of disruption, some of those went away, right? And so now as, as in the season that we're in, I think we're in a season now where we're going, okay, let's reevaluate our habits, good and bad, and, and take a look at it and saying, okay, in or, we need to look at and shape and reshape some of our habits because habits um, are, and we're going to see the importance of that as we go through this, but I think this is the proper time. It's the beginning of the year as, as, we, as we're transitioning again out of COVID and disruption and, and all that kind of stuff, that this is the time to say, okay, let's determine and, and predetermine some of our habits. Now, now watch this in your notes. Um, habits are mental shortcuts learned from experience. Okay, so I just wanted to define what a habit is first, and as I break it down, this is going to be this is going to be something that that uh, yeah, it just brings clarity to it because we all know what habits are, but if we don't break it down, and going okay, what's the purpose? What what is really a habit? A habit that helps you shape what one is, and it helps you kick out what the ones that aren't good. But habits are mental shortcuts learned from experience. And a lot of what I'm going to teach today is out of this book, which is probably in the top five books I've ever read, ever, 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 ever. And if you haven't read this book, it's a must, right? Because I'm going to skim on some of this stuff, and there's like, it's uh, remarkable. So it's Atomic Habits by James Clear. So habits are mental Shortcuts learned from experience. So in a sense, a habit is just a memory of the steps you previously followed to solve a problem in your past. So I'll say that again. It's, a habit is basically just a memory of the steps you previously followed to solve a problem in your past. So the primary reason the brain remembers the past is to better predict what will work in the future. So in essence, what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys this morning is I'm taking Minecraft and I'm giving it to you on steroids. Okay, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to teach you stuff that is about craft that, that the congregation is not going to get because this is going to be heavy, this is going to be deep and all the rest, and due to time, and, and I'm just not going to be able to explain like I'll explain here. So you guys get to be the guinea pigs and then you can teach and, and give it to them. But I, I want you to understand something that a habit is basically shortcuts, mental shortcuts, okay? So it's, it's basically what your brain has remembered in the past, and your brain solved the problem in the past, and so it says, well, that's how we solved the problem last time, and so this is what we're gonna do next time. So last time we felt depressed, we 
ate a lot of chocolate and it, our brain went, we got the serotonin rush and because of that, it felt better for a season and our brain goes, that's how we healed last time. So therefore, it's what we're gonna do next time. And then that's how we get into habits, good, bad, all the rest of it. This is what we did to solve the problem last time. This is what we're gonna do next time. That's basically, basically breaking down. It's the mental shortcut learned from experience, okay? So then the habit formation is incredibly useful because the conscious mind is the bottleneck of the brain. Okay? So habit formation is incredibly useful because the conscious mind okay, is the bottleneck of the brain. So a lot of times, our conscious mind is where we build the fences. Right, and if we build the fences, we build the fences. It becomes the bottleneck, but then we train, turn that into a habit. Then it becomes a subconscious um, fence, and that's where, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That's all of a sudden it's transferred to there because we meditate. So really, what I'm getting at is we're pulling at the roots, the really deep roots of how to program or reprogram our fences, our mental thinking, our our all of this, and really all of that reprogramming. The root of all that comes to paying attention to our habits. So if we only, our conscious mind can only pay attention to one problem at a time. And as a result, your brain is always working to preserve your conscious attention for whatever task is most essential in the moment. So whenever possible, the conscious mind likes to pawn off tasks to the the non-conscious mind, your subconscious mind, to do automatically. Okay, so this is precisely what happens when a habit is formed. Okay, so your conscious, I'll give you an extreme example. I saw this meme going around and I was like, it is a weird phenomenon, but it's kind of funny. This is how your conscious mind, just goofy, thing, like how you do this, how you try to focus on one problem at a time. Anybody else turn down the stereo in the midst of a blizzard so you can see better. Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? It's so dumb. You're like, that is the dumbest, but we all do it. Why is that, right? The reason why we do that is because our conscious mind is trying to solve one problem at a time. And it's trying to focus this on, so your subconscious mind goes, I need, I need, and your conscious mind is saying, I need to declutter, I need to pawn off, and so I'm going to take any other distractions away and, and do that. And, and subconsciously, not consciously, you're doing this. And we do this all the time, right? So the conscious mind is the bottleneck of the brain. So this is why it's so important. This is precisely what happens when, when a habit is formed. So this is, this is how we reprogram our conscious and our, our subconscious mind is through habits. This is why it's so important what Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart, your subconscious, for everything you do flows from it. So we've been you know, working on the series Minecraft and tearing down fences in order to live our best lives. And I'm getting, this is the bonus teaching, like I said, that is the rest of the church is not gonna get, but I think it's gonna be highly beneficial. Dr. Carolyn Leaf says this, that what we think that we think on multiple levels. And she says that 90 to 99% of our thinking happens in our non-conscious metacognitive level. So this subconscious level operates 24 hours a day. And, and part of that is programmed in habits. Let me give you another example. Anybody else, and I, I, I was kind of 
running this by Pastor Rene this morning in our meeting, and he's like, he started laughing, and he's like, this is so true, that we, we create habits that, are, that shift into our, they become habits that are consciously at first decisions, and then they become habits, and they shift to our non-conscious. And one of those things is you drive to work the same route every single day and anybody else, or you drive home the same result every day and anybody else show up at your old house's driveway. Or in Renee's case, he showed up at, at McDonald's drive through on his way to work. He's like, wait, how did I get here? He's like, why am I here? And your, and your, your, like your subconscious did all the work and your, your conscious was thinking was on something else. And you just kind of program, and these habits, you just do the habits, and you get into the routine where all of a sudden you don't even remember doing what you always do. It's just, it's just routine, and you do that. That 90 to 99% of your thinking happens in an unconscious mind. So what a habit is, is your habit is, is about programming or pre-programming what is going to become 90 to 99% of your thinking and, and part of your conscious level. So this is why it's important for us to talk about habits. Because John Maxwell says this, he says, I can predict the long-term outcome of your success if you show me your daily habits. I can predict the long-term outcome of your success if you show me your daily habits. Not if you show me your skills or your talent. Talent is not enough. He wrote a book on all of that. But if you show me your daily habits. So then Craig Rochelle says, the potential of your leadership is a direct reflection of the quality of your habits. The potential of your leadership Okay, so your leadership opportunities, leadership being influenced, the potential of your influence, okay, is a ref direct reflection of the quality of your habits. So let me break that down. The potential of your influence, which is seen, is a direct reflection of the quality of your behaviors that are unseen. Okay, this is important. Because you are what you repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. Yeah, absolutely. No. This is also true of your team. When you lead with intensity, your team will work with intensity. And if you don't value excellence, your team will reflect that as well. Right? Because you're, it's going to happen. You're behaving like all of this. So you are what you repeatedly do. What you repeatedly do is your habits. Which, which are, what are your habits? Your daily thing is going to predict the outcome of your success. So one of, the th one of the things that we need to understand is, and this is where uh, we want to break this down and talk about habits, is, is I want to encourage you to not chase. Don't chase super habits. Okay, what's a super habit? So many leaders and, and people think that a few big, elusive, hard to achieve super habits that if mastered will make them will, will make them a great leader. 
So we all choose, like, don't we do New Year's resolutions? And we all choose, like, this big super habit. And then statistics show that 92% of New Year's resolutions um, fail or stop within the first three weeks of the new year. Because we think that if we make one big, massive change, that one super habit is going to change everything. But that's, that, that nothing could be further from the truth. Michael Todd, Pastor Michael Todd says this, if you don't fall in love with the process, you'll never be a leader. Which is like, youch. So what is he saying? We all, when we talk about leader, like when we talk about dreaming and what we want to become and the position that we want or all this kind of stuff, we all look at, we want to become um, somebody that is, influential, famous, powerful, you know, um, rich, like all this kind of stuff. And he says, the thing is, and we look at, especially in society today, this is huge for your children and, you know, our young people, is that everybody's chasing becoming a YouTube sensation and hoping that just like all of a sudden we're going to become famous. All of a sudden we're going to become rich. All of a sudden... And there's stories of these kind of things. And, and what happens, the problem with that thinking is that we devalue the process. And if you become an overnight success, you're going to become an overnight, like you're going to disappear as fast as, you know, a shooting star disappears as quickly as it appears. Right? So we have to somehow fall in love with the, the process in order for us to, to lead. That's part of that is... Is habit. So big impacts are usually the result of small and wise habits. And ultimately, it is your commitment to the process that's going to determine your progress. It's the commitment to the process that will determine your progress. Craig Rochelle says, successful people do consistently what other people do Occasionally. Okay, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. So, most successful people aren't great at everything. In fact, I don't know any successful people that are great at everything. But they're highly disciplined and have a few wise habits that set them apart. So you know I have to go to football, right? So the greatest football player that's ever played just retired this week. So Tom Brady decided that he's no longer going to play. I don't know, it, like I follow football a lot. So I watched, 20-some years ago, I watched Tom Brady as, you know, his scouting combine where he came out of college. And, and so in the scouting combine, they do all these different tests. And he was, he was um, overweight. He was slow as molasses. He couldn't throw um, as well as some of these others. And he, like, I don't know, he, he was smart. He was always smart. He was always successful. Like, he was successful in college. He was good in college, all the rest of it. But somehow... Throughout his career, from the beginning to the end, he's the youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, and he's the oldest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. So from beginning to end, he's, he's won more Super Bowls, he's won more Super Bowls than any other franchise has won in the history of the NFL. 
Like, that's nuts. So, like, what, how did he become? Because he's not good at everything. He's still not the greatest, doesn't have the greatest arm. Um, right, Carson, you're a quarterback. You know, like, he's, the dude can throw, but he's not the greatest. He doesn't have the greatest arm. He's, he's still, he's definitely not the fastest. But somehow, at 44 years old, he had the best season of his life this year. Like, huh? Why? And what he's famous for, and everybody that gets around him knows him for, he's famous. He has, he has um, his TB12, um, he, like he's got health plans, workouts, all the rest of it, and, and he's marketed all this kind of stuff because his diet is insane. He looks younger now than he did when he was in his 20s when he came out of college. Like, it's like, what? And his workout routines, like, he's more disciplined more than, than anybody. And anyone that gets around him is like, this guy's more disciplined, all the rest of it. All to say is that he didn't have the greatest skill in all these things. But what he did have, his habits were so insane that the sky became like there was no limit as to what he could accomplish. That's just one, one example. There's others that, that do that. There's lots of people that are talented or more talented that don't ever come close to doing this. And in, in your life and saying, le your leadership is going to matter based on your daily habits. So let's, let's, let's talk about and reset our habits. So here are three reasons why you might not successfully act on good intentions. Because we all have great intentions, right? And how you can lead from high hopes to healthy habits. All right. Anybody else, like even as I was preparing these messages, anybody else like me? It's a little squirmy. Because <laughs> now, Pastor Kelly, you're picking on, like, uh, me too. Is, is this hitting home? Yeah. Like, you're already going, you're already going. Oh man, I gotta change, I'm gonna have to change. But listen, right now, what you have right now is I'm gonna change this and you're gonna have high hopes, but how many of you have had these high hopes before and did this reset before and then how long did it last? So this is what I'm saying right here. We're gonna break down how to make sure that our high hopes are gonna last so that we can have the greatest impact. Okay, because listen, if I... If I if we see what I'm sensing is potential for us to see, this is a very small gathering for a staff. And your influence, if, if, we, if I see what we're going to see, your influence is going to go national, international, and all the rest of it. This is, this is going to be, and I said this from our, our very first staff meeting, and I said, uh, I commit to personally growing myself and I want all of you to commit to personally growing yourself because if you don't personally grow yourself, we will outgrow you. And I'm saying, I'm not saying, like I'm not saying that arrogantly to me. If, if I don't personally grow myself, the potential of what we're launching and what we're doing is this organization will outgrow me. Right? Which is like, Okay, I don't want to get to heaven and going, you could have, 
but you liked ice cream too much. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, Hey, just a proud moment for me. We had ice cream set up in the lobby on Sunday right next to me, and I did not partake. The self-talk it took. What's that? If it was Huckleberries, it would have been different. True that. If it was Tillamook, Ralph wouldn't let me that close. Anyway, that's all good. It would have been... <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, I had security for that reason. Stay away. Um, all right, so three reasons that we, that we have high hopes, expectations of what we're going to change, and then, and then why that doesn't happen. Number one is we focus on the what, but don't understand the how. So we focus on what we're going to change, but we don't understand how. We focus on what the habit should be, but we don't focus on how. So many leaders spend way too much time focusing on their goals, but not how they're going to achieve them. James Clear says in this book, and it, it, I, I pushed back on it the first time I read it, because I was like, because we've been taught so long and so often that goals are important, goals are important, goals are important. Goals are important. But he says this, goals don't determine success, systems determine success. So what he's saying is, and this is his analogy, and, and he's speaking my language, so I was like, okay, I get it. Um, he said, every football coach starts the season with the same goal, to win the championship. Goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. So I don't think anybody sets out with a goal to have a crappy marriage. Right? Or to be unhealthy and die young. Or to be, like, we don't, set, everyone has similar goals in all of our areas, right? But it's not goals that determines the success. It's the habits, the systems that it takes. It's the how to get there. Okay, so goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results. So as a leader, don't think about changing the result. Focus on changing the systems that produce the results. Okay, so as a leader, don't think about changing the result. Focus on changing the systems that produce those results. Let me say it this way. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the levels of your systems. Okay? You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems or your habits. So we've got to focus on some of the, the, the hows. We'll break that down a little bit later. Number two, the second reason why um, we don't succeed in setting our goals and, having all, and achieving all that and, and doing that is because, and this happens to all of us, is we don't see progress fast enough. Right? So very rarely 
um, do leaders see immediate results when starting a good or bad habit? And not just leaders, people. Like, so as a result, we wrongly conclude two things. We wrongly conclude that small, wise decisions don't matter that much. Like, and we, we, make, we make that assumption subconsciously. Right, so when we first say, okay, well, we're gonna, we're gonna lose weight and we're gonna get healthy and all the rest of it, and I've been through this journey in the last, last year and all the rest of it, then you're going, when, when you eat right, this is the first and you eat right and you have a good day, and you expect that the scale's gonna change at the end of the day because I ate right today and it doesn't, it's like discouraging. <laughs> and then vice versa, is small, unwise decisions don't matter that much. That's the second, the second thing. Is so when we have a cheat, and we cheat on that, and we, we compromise a little bit, and we don't see, and we don't see the scale change. Like this happened last week. I was like, I was like, I was, I was eating healthy all week, and then nothing was happening, and all the rest of it, and all the rest. And then I had, I had ice cream. Confession, ice cream. Um, and I had ice cream and all the rest of it. And then the next day, like I scale hadn't moved all at all. The next day, the scale moved. It moved down. It moved down. And I went, it's ice cream diet from here on out. <laughs> like, this is how it works. I get it. I said that. Did, I said that. I did. I said the exact same thing to Jordan. I was like, oh, it's ice cream diet now. I get it. I understand. Now, all of you are laughing because you know that that's, a, that's an unwise decision for long-term results. But the, the fact is, is we, like, we stop our habits, good or bad. Like We stop because we don't see an immediate consequence, good or bad. So we don't see an immediate result to a good decision, and we don't see an immediate result to a bad decision. So then we wrongly conclude that, well, that didn't matter that much. We didn't see an instant result. And because we didn't see an instant result, then, we, you know, then, we're, then we're going, well, it, it doesn't matter that much. And then we start to slide. So both of these conclusions are, are dangerously wrong. Um, because the truth is, our life and leadership are the sum total of the small decisions we make. Our life and leadership are the sum total of the small decisions, the small ones. We always look at it as the sum total of the big opportunity or the big decision. We always focus on the big. But our life and leadership are the sum total of the small decisions we make. So when you have the right habits but aren't seeing immediate results, your work isn't being wasted. So I had this very conversation with, with uh, Pastor Leon, my mentor. Like He's been mentoring me for, for years and years, and I had this very conversation with him years and years ago, because he's the one that kind of influenced me to read ferociously. He, he, at the beginning of his ministry, he was reading a book a day, and I was like, I can't do that. That's ridiculous. Like, when, how do you, what, how? Um, and I was like, I don't read that fast. I can't do that. So I committed to a book a week and did it for, and have been doing it for like, for years and years and years and years and years. And then I was like, I did everything that he said. And I was like, my church at that time, like I was still pastoring in, in Okotoks at the time, and our church at the time had, had grown and it was good. But I was like, my goodness, like 
I'm frustrated because I'm doing all the things, but I'm not seeing it, all the results. Like I'd want to see and envision to see it. And I was complaining to him about this very problem. And he says to me, this is, the, this is what he said. He said, if you, he said, it's kind of like water skiing. He said, when you're water skiing and the boat leaves the dock, he said, you're sitting there, the boat is moving, but you're sitting there and eventually the rope catches and you launch. But you don't launch immediately when the boat takes off. And he says the same thing when your your small habits, you got the boat moving in the right direction. He said, but you staying with the right habits, the right thing, eventually the rope will catch. It has to. Eventually the rope will catch, good or bad. Boat going the right way, boat going the wrong way. You might not see the immediate result, but it's eventually, life is, a, is made up of the small decisions that we make, and eventually it's going to catch and get us in the right direction or in the wrong direction. In every area. Like, like, we see this? So when you have the right habits but aren't seeing immediate results, that doesn't mean your work is being wasted. So when you have the, you know, I, I think, in, in like I, I realize when, the health thing that we went on and all of this was dealing with um, my, my health and you might have seen me limp in and the first gout attack that I've had in um, about a year, right? So I changed, last, last year I had crazy gout attack and all the rest of it. So that's when I changed all my eating habits and went, got a health coach and went on a whole big thing, lost 41 pounds. Um, just in changing diet and daily habits and small little things and saw that result on the scale. Then, then thought over Christmas, I was like, well, I'm healthy now, all's good, and made small, unwise, like, and small decisions for Christmas. I was like, I'm just going to eat and just do the thing. And then banged my knee um, on my truck <laughs> um, once. And as I banged it, I was like, ooh, this would be something that would trigger a gout attack if I was like, and I was like, oh. And all the stars aligned. And I ended up with the last two weeks of dealing with gout, and I was like, oh. Not thinking that the small decisions that I made before and going, are gonna have, and I didn't have an immediate impact. They didn't, the, the, my eating during Christmas didn't have an immediate impact on the scale, didn't have an immediate impact on that. So I was like, I was okay. But eventually the rope will catch. Good or bad. You go to the gym, Right? And you're going, well, I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you don't, and nothing changes in the first three weeks. And you don't see any change, you know, all the rest of it, and like you see nothing, and then you're like, well, this doesn't really matter anymore. But we all know, don't we know consciously that if we keep a workout habit for, for years of three days a week or four days a week or whatever, we keep that for years? that the rope is going to catch and it's gonna, we're going to have a reason. We know that, don't we? We all know that consciously, but subconsciously, in our habit zone, we don't see the immediate result and we give up. And we get frustrated. <laughs> it's the thing that no one sees. It's the things that no one sees that brings the results everyone wants. The thing that, it's the things that no one sees that bring the results that everyone wants. Number three, the third reason why we start 
and don't last, we have intentions but don't follow through, is our negative self-perception sabotages our success. Our negative self-perception sabotages our success. So this is going to be Sunday's sermon. We're all talking about self-perception because Jesus talked about it and the apostles talked about it and Jesus modeled it. But our self he modeled positive self-perception. Our self-perception sabotages our success. So we all have insecurities. Anybody in here not have an insecurity? No, we, we all have insecurities. And those insecurities can create a dangerous cycle in which unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. So follow me. Unwise habits reinforce that unhealthy self-identity. See the cycle? So we have an unhealthy self-perception, an insecurity, and that creates unwise habits, which only fuels the negative self-identity. So the truth is, identity shapes action. Identity shapes actions. So instead of setting goals on what you want to do this year, what if you were to set them around who you want to become this year? Okay, so follow me. When you know who you want to become, it's easy to know which habit you need to start. Okay, so if you were to say, this is what I'm going to teach on, on Sundays, I am statements and, and all that is saying, if you were to train your mind and change your identity and saying, okay, well, I'm insecure about and identify what that is. I'm insecure about my health. I'm insecure about my leadership. I'm insecure about my whatever it might be. I'm insecure about that. If you identify what that insecurity is, then you say, then you change that identity. You focus on changing that identity and saying, if, you're, if it's about your health, your weight, or whatever it might be, you say, I am, and you change, I am healthy, I am disciplined, I am strong, I am, like, all the, and you begin to change. You begin to confess this over, and if you can change what your heart thinks about yourself, then you're, it's going to be easy. If I'm healthy, if I'm a healthy person, then I can become. So if, you're, if your bad habit that you're focusing on is, is smoking, here's, let, let, let me break it down this, this way. Somebody, if, you're, if your bad habit is, is smoking and you're saying, okay, I want to quit, quit smoking, I, wanna, I don't want to be a smoker anymore, all that kind of stuff. Somebody offers you a cigarette and you said, uh, no, I'm, I, I, I quit. There is more temptation that follows that one statement than if you're to say, no, I don't smoke. Because one, it's, it's an identity thing. Right? It's about, okay, who I am rather than what I do or don't do. And so if I, if I change what I see myself as and who I am, it's going to lead to 
what I do. Okay, so it's all about identity. So, so we don't realize, and this is what we get to. We get to, we get to the place where we battle in any one of the five Fs with insecurity of what we can't do, and we battle in, in any areas of those, those lives. I'll get to the five Fs later. But if we battle any of the areas of our, of our life, then what happens is we have an insecurity on that, and then it triggers, it triggers the behavior. And then we try to focus on, if we don't change the identity and we try to change the behavior, the behaviors don't last. Because ultimately, watch this, when you slip up on a habit, and you will, you will feel the guilt of going back to the bad identity, which will drive you into continued cycle of negativity. Does that make sense? Is this true for anyone? <laughs> All of us. Right? So this is why it's so important for us when we craft our, like, this is why it's so important for us to, to craft our I am statements, who we are, and change our identity. Zig Ziglar said this, um, you don't have to be great to start, but you need to start to be great. Okay, so when you know who you want to become, it's easy to know what habit you need to start. You don't have to be great to start, but you need to start to be great. So good. So the question is, which habit would you like to start? Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.